Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's Reaction Monday. Tell us all about it. Duke Foley caught at the 21 yard line. Xavier Leggett with back to back catches. And he's got the game cocks inside the 25. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse, your local Honda superstore for motorcycles, ATVs, side by sides, scooters, and generators. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands, 1075 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Weston, Chris, along with you on this Reaction Monday, and wish we had something more pleasant to react to, but unfortunately the Gamecocks fall once again, this time on the road, 34-12, out in Como to the Missouri Tigers in a game that they just never were really in. Uh, Missouri comes out there and puts up nearly 300 yards of offense and 24 points in the first half, and you know your defense got a few stops there at the beginning of the second half, but just the offense wasn't able to generate enough to really give you any sense of, of being in this ballgame. Yeah, you know, guys, I think we like to talk about sports, and it's kind of a common thing to say something to the effect of, like, ah, you know, uh, this this team, you never know what you're going to get. Or, you know, you'll say, hey, it's a roller coaster. Um, you know, every game is different, and, and that can be true to an extent. Um, watching this game and then rewatching it, you know, both last night and leading into this morning, I, it, it kind of actually played out almost exactly how you would expect it to on paper. And, 
you know, I, I hate to just sort of be repeating ourselves, but just to be kind of true to what happened here, it kind of feels like many of South Carolina's issues that we know have plagued them all season were once again the reasons why, um, you know, South Carolina was unable to win this game or, or really even put themselves in a position to have a, a shot to do so at the end. And, you know, I, I thought Missouri, frankly, was the better football team. They won the battle up front. South Carolina did play a little, you know, they played a good bit better in the second half than they did in the first, but still was going to be very difficult to come back, uh, especially kicking field goals. And, you know, we can kind of, as we go along, get into some of those decisions and and why Beamer was kind of between a rock and a hard place is, is how I described it. But for the most part, the big picture thought is just that both of these teams were kind of who we thought they were and the game kind of played out, you know, on paper exactly the way we thought it maybe could. Yeah, I totally agree that it it was it was all the things that they've struggled with, and they were kind of amplified. And Wes, you know that I now I have not I'm not patting myself on the back because I have, and I'm not enjoying saying I thought South Carolina would not win by any means. I mean, I picked the Gamecocks in multiple games this year that they've lost. But even before the season started, and my feeling only grew stronger as the season went along and we kind of saw the product of both these teams, I I did not feel this was a good matchup for South Carolina. It's just, it's always tough to play in the other Columbia. You knew what Missouri had in terms of their receivers, what you thought they could be, what Eli Drinkwitz you know, presents and then defensively what they present. And it ended up being all those things. And and those things in some ways were kind of uh, kryptonite for the Gamecocks. You know, they they just pa- pass rush, for instance, and we'll talk about, we're going to be talking about this a lot going into the A&M game. We saw it on third down. And it's easy to say, well, you know, on third down, they're going to blitz, come up with an answer. But, it, you know, that's an oversimplification of it, you know, um, I thought, look, you come out, you get a you get a three and out. Missouri literally gained zero yards. Okay. Mm-hmm. You drive down you get you get, you know, a penalty, you know, on, on Missouri on a third and eight that ends up um helping you on that drive. And then you get all the way down, you know, what to the twenty and you've got another third and eight, and then you take a sack and you lose thirteen, fourteen yards. That was kind of a harbinger for the rest of the day. You know, you, offensively you're able to move the football but you're just not able to punch it in. You still don't have a consistent enough run game. You're still in some unfavorable downs and distances, and you still can't protect the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of uh, much of what we've seen for, for most of this year. I I don't want to harp on it just because fans don't like to hear the, the injury thing. They say, oh, this injury excuse. Yeah, yeah. However, I'll go back to something you talked about like a month ago maybe. When you said, yeah, win anyway is like a fun thing to say. But ultimately, your starters are your starters for a reason. And this is not a team that had the depth to sustain the injuries to offensive line and, you know, now wide receiver as well. That's something where, you know, obviously the loss of Juice Wells has kind of hung over this offense for the entire year. Now you add Xavier Leggett into that. A.B. dealing with some things. Now, that was a little bit later in the game, but A.B. has been in and out all season long, you know, as far as being banged up or playing banged up at times. And, 
you know, you just look at the shuffle on the offensive line. I'm not saying if they had Vershawn Lee this past week that they would have won the game, but it it felt it's kind of been one step forward, two steps back. Every time they seem to find something, they get hit with another setback. And so it it just felt like right off the bat, man, that they they were struggling, obviously, to protect Rattler. And they, they kept popping up that little graphic on the TV version, and it was like third average down, you know, distance to go on third down. It's like third and eight for, for pretty much the entire game. And so I think that's when you start to get into that symptom versus problem thing again. It, you know, you may say, hey, they really struggle on third down. What's going on with third down? Well, really, that's more the symptom of the fact that you are not producing on first and second down. There's been a lot of talk about red zone and kicking field goals and stuff like that. I have thought that any red zone talk this year, frankly, has been symptom versus problem as well. You look at this offense, no matter where they are on the field, and it gets it, it all goes back to offensive line, frankly. You look at some of those issues, it's a very sort of hit or miss, all or nothing, heavily reliant on explosive plays offense. Now, you see that sort of get Maybe it's not quite the case. The few games we've seen them be able to run the football. Florida, they were a little bit more consistent on offense because you have the running game to put you in favorable down and distances. But when it's like sack or explosive play, sack or explosive play, that's what you get. So you take that and then you throw it into the red zone where you do have some confined spaces and you obviously have a little bit more aggressive defensive calls down there. It's no surprise to me that the red zone numbers don't look great because that's kind of what the offense is dealing with even outside of the red zone. Now, I do think there is one bad habit we have seen from this offense in the red zone or kind of in that just upper, like right outside the red zone area, and that is taking sacks when you're on mm-hmm. the edge of field goal range. And we saw that a couple of times against Missouri. We saw that against Georgia. I think we saw that against North Carolina. Like, we, we've seen that happen quite a bit. So I, I do think that that's an issue there. And, um, man, just th- this was a game where once you got once you got down like they did, you were going to have to take advantage of every opportunity you got in order to get back into it. And so I, I think whenever you're down like that, not that Missouri lets up, but Missouri can be a little bit more conservative. They they don't have they know they don't have to score a bunch of points at that point. Mm-hmm. So to to chase a game down like this, you're gonna need more than field goals. However, South Carolina keeps finding itself, except for the last one, in fourth and eight, fourth and ten, fourth and long. So it, it's kind of hard to say, oh, you got to go for those. So I imagine Beamer, who has not been shy at all about going forward on fourth down in his tenure here is going, I know I need a touchdown here, but what are our chances of picking up a fourth and long when you haven't been able to protect the quarterback all game? So you're, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in all those decisions except for maybe that last one, which was a fourth and goal from the three. Yeah, I mean, and I texted you at one point during the game and said, you know, it is absolutely insane, and I feel like we've said this 
We said this during the UNC game or some version. Now, I know you didn't completely agree with me, but let me explain myself. Like, Carolina played very poorly, yet, you know, they're down, what, 24-3 at the half. Yet, you open the third quarter, and you have a drive where you had to settle for a field goal again, mm-hmm. 24-6. Then Missouri is at the point where they, um, yeah, Luke Bauer, the punter, fumbles the punt. Now you're in great field position. You get the ball at the 34-yard line and immediately have a 14-yard run. So now you're at the 20. You have to settle for another field goal. So instead of, you know, what what if you – I know what if is doing a lot of heavy lifting is what you told me, right? But these are not – I mean, if you could get – convert – a touchdown, and if, especially when you've got the ball, at the, you get gifted the ball in the 34 and you get down to the 20, what if you open up with a couple touchdowns there and then, by the way, Missouri punts on the next drive. They gain four yards, but then you punt, you know? So it's just, you could do a lot of what-ifs during the game, and again, this is another problem-symptom thing. The problem is they're not converting on opportunities when they get them. We knew Missouri... You would you needed Missouri to make some mistakes in this game. You needed some turnovers. You needed something to go wrong. You needed a special teams play, but South Carolina wasn't adequately able to take advantage. And aside from that, they got outplayed offensively and defensively as well. And you add all that up, and you get you know the result that we saw. Yeah, and I, I thought the the possession after the the just dropped snap on the punt. That's the one. You feel like, like I, I feel like you are very tempted to just make what would, frankly, be a somewhat emotional decision, but also with the momentum of the game at yeah. that point. I, I would, if we were playing PlayStation, I'm, I know it's fourth and ten. I know my chances are small. That I might be making my my last stand right there, you know. And just saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope we can convert this thing, and really, like you could, because I, I feel like sometimes fourth down decisions are about game flow as well. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there, you're like, they Missouri knows they just gifted you this field position, and the the thing about this too is rewind two plays from that fourth down, and you have a first down possibly a touchdown but you have a dropped a drop ball by a freshman receiver mm-hmm. and so you go from the, the the you just got a little boost on your sideline you got a you got a good run to first and 10 you got i think it was another run for 7 yards you're at second and 3 and you have on a perfect call for what defense they're in rattler recognizes it it's a great route, actually, mm-hmm. by Tyshawn Russell. Wide open. Rattler sees him, hits him in the hands, it's dropped. Mm-hmm. And so you conservatively, you're first in goal. But he's maybe getting in. I thought he would have scored. Probably. And so then what happens on third and three? You take a sack. So now you're in fourth and ten. And you're sitting there saying you have to kick the field goal. Um they even almost ran a fake there. Mm-hmm. But I, I would have been very tempted, even if, I, I don't know, you probably don't convert a fourth and ten. I would have been very tempted to just um, say, you know, we're just going to go for it here. But it was one of those games for South Carolina. 
plenty to react to from what happened on Saturday. Uh, we actually have this poll up now on 107.5 Games. Twitter, what concerned you most in Saturday's loss in Missouri? Options are offensive line, no pass rush, or settling for field goals. No surprise, offensive line currently winning that. We'll react to that and hear from some of the players as well as Coach Beamer on what happened on Saturday. Coming up, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Got a take? Hit us up on the Firehouse Subs text line. Firehouse Subs, founded by firemen. 803-404-6100. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Reaction Monday. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. And welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse subs here on the game. Tyler West and Chris along with you on a reaction Monday. And, you know, maybe that's what people need on this tough reaction Monday is a uh, delicious firehouse subs to uh, help them get past the loss on Saturday. Yeah, I think you could always use a delicious firehouse sub. And guess what? I just got an alert. It's like they know our show is right now. Got an alert from the firehouse subs app that you can earn double points right now here on Monday. So, Order on the app today, double points on your entire purchase. Rack up those points, and then you can get free subs from Firehouse Subs in the future. Firehousesubs.com, absolutely the best way. Or, again, the Firehouse Subs app, Rapid Rescue. We were out there this past week in Lexington. Great time, as always. And try the new King's Hawaiian Pork and Sauce Sandwich. It is back. Slow-smoked pulled pork, melted pepper jack, sweet and tangy sauce, sweet mustard, sweet mustard sauce. Easy for me to say. <laughs> and mayo on a toasted King's Hawaiian bun. Try it now. Of course, the offensive line was an issue again on Saturday. Nick Arjula was one of the players that got to speak to the media. After the game, he talked a little bit about those guys losing their one-on-one battles. What was happening? You know, they had a... Um, you know, obviously a, a game plan specific uh, package for us. And uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, a lot of the sacks were... Um, a lot of the sacks were us not playing with the the right technique and and the right strain and the right finish. You know, I think we were, um, you know, protected um, and lost key one on ones. Can't lose one on ones as a as an O line and um, in in those crucial moments. And obviously, the offensive line's been a concern this entire season. We had the glimmer of optimism last weekend against Florida before Sean Lee gets hurt, and then of course everything. You know, moves around the offensive line once again. You lose Tree Babalade late in the game on Saturday. But for a Missouri defensive front that wasn't wasn't all that impressive on paper coming into it, they looked like superstars on Saturday. You know, I, I think, man, if you've watched South Carolina play Missouri as long as I can remember now, they've they've won that battle up front. And that's been the case in this particular game the last four years probably. And, you know, Frank, it's it's – it's terrible radio because it's just the same conversation over and over. But how how many of the symptoms, how many of the problems, how many, hey, South Carolina's not good in this stat. South Carolina's not good in red zone. How many of those things ultimately do come back to this offensive line? Like, unfortunately, 
that's kind of where we are. Not that, not that everyone else can be blameless, but if you sort of if you could clean up this, then some of these other, the other problems would for one maybe not exist, and two just wouldn't be as you know that that drop pass isn't as hurtful if you're doing everything you would hope to do up front. Now again. People can say it's excuses. They can say whatever, but it's just a fact. It's a reality that you're out there at a position that already had questions and dealing with just injury after injury after injury. So I think you have to be fair and acknowledge that. Uh, It's not an excuse. It's an acknowledgement of the reality that would they be perfect on the offensive line if they were 100% healthy? Of course not. Would they have had a chance? They had a much better chance in these games if you just had your full array or even if you just had like a normal, you know, the whole everybody deals with injuries. Of course, your normal course of the year, you're missing a guy here, missing two guys there, uh, but you get them back in a few weeks. If you were just dealing with the normal course of an injury that you have to have, you know, having a season, then, uh, yeah, I I think it'd be a different story. Well, and, and Beamer mentioned this. I think it was on his teleconference last night or it was of the press conference after the game on Saturday. Right now, they don't have a second-team offensive line for practice. That's how depleted they are. They're literally using everybody that they have on the starting offensive line. And that's why you can't do the, the just-win-anyway thing. Like, there is not a college football team. You can't do it with the offensive line, right? There's not a team in the country where you could say, all right, here we go, guys. We're going to take away your two starting tackles. We're going to take away your freshman. Remember, they're starting two true freshmen. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that were behind Marquis Anderson. Like, Marquis was the one guy, the one guy in the class, not Nicholas Harbor, not Tree Babalade, not anybody else. He was the first guy that Shane Beamer said he will play, right? So you're going to play Marquis Anderson. Not saying he would have started. He would have played. He's, he's out, hadn't played a snap. Ja'Kai Moore, but on and on. I mean, there's like nine guys, and several of them have either not played or they've missed significant time or they've missed some time. You can't do that to any team and say, I just, it's not a, it's not a factor at all. Shouldn't be a factor, right? Now, it has been compounded by other issues. Personnel, receivers being injured, receivers not being as effective when they are in the game. The running back situation, heck, Spencer Rattler and Shane Beamer, they've, Spencer, I thought, did an outstanding job after the game of, like, his leadership's been so on point. And he just said, some of those sacks are on me. And Shane Beamer mentioned one on his Sunday teleconference. He said, that's, you know, that one's kind of on Spencer. He would tell you that. So, like, all these things have compounded, and they've made the offensive line issues even worse. But it's it's not fair to just, oh, it should just be great. So I'm looking at this. Obviously, Gargiulo bumped over to center. You had a Vershawn Lee at uh, right tackle starting last week. Nobody on this offensive line is currently in the spot. A lot of these guys weren't even starting in week number one. Nobody's in the same spot they were in in week number one against North Carolina. And again, several of these guys weren't even playing at that point in time. And we were only halfway through the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of sums it up. I was kind of going through them in my head. I got Fugar, I guess, did. Did he start left tackle week one? Left or, tackle. Yeah. And then played some at right tackle in mm-hmm. week one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, by the second half, they, they actually had 
put Wanamaker in for Fugar at, at right tackle. Now you have, to, to add to all this, Babalade is now hurt as well. <laughs> Ja'Kai Moore came in at left tackle for him. Troy Ball, according to Beamer, is hurt. I don't know what happened to him. He, I went back and looked for he, it. He finished the game. He right? finished the game. Yeah. He was in there at the, you know, at the very end. So uh, I don't know what the case is there. But I mean, it, it's just been one thing after another. And again, I, I know, I know, there's people driving down the road right now or listening on the app, rolling their eyes. Like I can feel you rolling <laughs> your eyes. I know you're saying, well, I can't make excuses. This is football, but it's just the cold, hard reality of it. You can't sustain those. With where South Carolina was going into this season, maybe Alabama, like no. you know, they they've had their struggles too. But I, I'm talking about we knew there were depth. If you said what are the problems going into this season, we knew there were depth issues on this team as a whole. Yeah. So you're kind of, I mean, there's not a team in the country that this wouldn't show through when you lose that many starters, right? Now. Your starters at other places, could you could say, well, they're better players, so it's even more impactful. You could say, you know, the guy, the depth that they have is better, so it's not as noticeable But when yes. they're not. But, guys, the, look, they had a starting five for the UNC that was already kind of a patchwork. Nobody started in that same position against Missouri. Not a single one. I mean, you just you can't expect there to be no effects. Now, now there's there's other parts of this that, you know, you could argue you can control a little bit more, right? right? But this is one of them that's just, gosh, it just is what it is. Well, the injuries continue to stack up elsewhere on this team. We'll hit so, some of those coming up in just a minute here. But I want to remind you all a quick programming note. Today from 1 until 4, we're going to have CBS Sports Radio playing here on the game as we are all going to go over to uh, Tommy Moody's Celebration Live event over at Founders Park, which starts at 2 o'clock. It is open to the public if you want to uh, attend that. But again, from 1 until 4 today, we're going to be running CBS Sports Radio. Terry will be back in from 4 until 6 for a, an abbreviated afternoon show as he wraps up uh, today's uh, uh, Reaction Monday for today. But again, 1 to 4, CBS Sports Radio. Hit some of the more injuries coming up. You're listening to Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. You're on the game. talking about sponsored by love chevrolet on your home of the game in columbia 107.5 the game also heard on 100.3 the game in myrtle beach and 100.5 the game in florence you know, obviously without him out there, he's such a great player, um, very explosive, and, you know, makes it hard on the defense. But, you know, we got we got other guys as well. You know, Mega Blake, A.B., Eddie Lewis, Nick Harbour stepped up big time today. Um, our tight ends. Um, you know, we just we got to get everybody rolling. You know, I, I you know, I got to be better for them, and then we got to all play off each other. Um, you know, they, it was good for them to get reps today, Tyshawn Russell, guys like that. You know, uh, just, you know, they're going to go through some bumps in the road. They just got to keep working, keep pushing, you know, because you see guys like Nick make big plays today, and that's going to take him a long way and help us out for the next, you know, five games or so. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on your Reaction Monday. That course was Spencer Rattler and uh, after the game on Saturday talking about playing without Xavier Leggett, who South Carolina lost in the first half. Injured on a kickoff return. I think he may have come out for in, come in for another couple of plays, but ultimately lost for the second half of that game. And, and now it's up in the air. We don't know what his specific injury status is. 
learn more from Coach Beamer tomorrow in his weekly press conference, uh, sponsored by Pete L. Wine Pools and Spas. But there's very realistic possibility you could be going into A&M without Juice Wells or Xavier Leggett this weekend. Yeah, Leggett, officially questionable upper body injury is what we call it, I guess. But obviously a, a big loss there. That did open up some opportunities for some other guys. So I, I thought that was obviously the most involved. We've seen Nick Harbour. And and he was a little bit more involved than he's been even off the jump. You know, he was on the field on the second play of the game. We've seen them really use him in that two tight end look. He's one of the receivers that's on the field. Well, then once you didn't have Leggett out there, Harbor was, was basically on the field for, for most of the game from that point forward. He became a first teamer and uh, did some good things. It, it's not always like the most... Uh, orthodox catching style you would say but he's done a good job when he has had opportunities of holding on to the ball i really like that he got him involved a little bit and kind of the kind of the running game kind of the short passing game on that little behind it, it counts as a run but it's really like a backwards pass got about nine yards on that so he has started to come along they've gotten him more involved but certainly i mean look get we, we know what he's been to this offense how many downfield plays you want to talk about those explosives that have been so key to this offense? How many of them have been Rattler giving Leggett a chance and Leggett going and, and making those plays or taking a short pass and turning it into a long run like he did against Mississippi State? Well, I go to the end of the game on Saturday when he throws that ball to Omega Blake and the ball literally goes right through his hands. Yeah, he had to jump up there to get that, but you're like, if that's Xavier Leggett, he makes that catch, it's not an interception. And I know the game was pretty much over at that point in time, but South Carolina would have the opportunity to at least finish that drive. So it's those little things like, well, if Leggett's out there, he makes that play. And unfortunately, Omega Blake wasn't able to do that. Yeah, I think that's a great point, man. That that was kind of the final, you know, if you're watching this game, you, you know South Carolina's chances are low, but you're like, crazier things have happened. And that, to me, was like the final, okay, this this game is over. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, I feel like you feel pretty strongly about Leggett at least getting in between there at the very least. And it's incomplete. But we've seen him, like you said, man, we've seen him make that play all year long. His one-on-one jump balls have been like 90-10s instead of 50-50s, I feel like. So another potential bad loss for them. It affects not that they've really been able to get going in the kickoff return game either, but obviously with this exact game last year, Leggett takes the opening kickoff to the house in Columbia and shows that he can do as the kickoff return. So you lose that aspect there as well. Just another long, uh, another addition to the long injury list at this point. Yeah, and I want to go back to Harbor. So, and I've got a piece coming out on Gamecock Central this afternoon, about five o'clock, I think, about Harbor and just kind of looking at his progression. And that's that's what it has been and what it should be. You know, I went through again back to the the great expectations thing. Um. I think it's going to be heightened after the game, right? Because now Nick Carber has four catches in his career because the the one is, like you said, Wes, counts as a run. So he's got four catches technically. They've all been impressive at some point, in some way. Like you think about the, the one touchdown was like the back shoulder adjustment. He's caught some balls down the field that have all been very, very impressive, right? He went up and got the one against Florida. He had the catch and run, and then he had the the – the 50-50 ball um, earlier in the game against Missouri. They've all been very impressive. And so I think there's almost a disconnect of probably some people are hearing, well, gosh, he's 
he's made these four very impressive catches, and we're hearing he needs to be more consistent with his hands. But that has been the case, right? I mean, th- say what you want. They've played a lot of freshmen this year, some out of necessity, some because they've earned it, some both, right? And especially given that they've had injuries, they've needed to develop more guys, I feel like Nick Carber would have been playing even more earlier in the season if ready. Well, now you look at the past two weeks, he's had his highest two snap counts of the season. This one was even higher, almost 60 snaps because of the injuries, mm-hmm. but he's starting to come along. And from what I've heard, Harbor has really been working extremely hard, you know, getting extra time out there, working on catching balls, and I think it's starting to show. It seems like he's becoming more and more comfortable. I do think this is also where we have to remember what a player is in week one yep. is not what you are seeing from a player in week six or seven. So... Like, I, I, I see this take, like, oh, where's this been? You know, yeah, they, they're they're literally starting two freshmen on the offensive line, which is arguably the hardest position to play a true freshman at. So if – and wide receiver is a position, the kind of backup trio. Beamer mentioned that very explicitly prior to the season. I need more from these guys here. Mm-hmm. So this is not a position where he was sort of blocked from playing time. If – he had been ready i i think it's very safe bet that they would have been playing him more early on so um i just think it's important to remember that as he continues to come along like for one he's made progress and two let's let's give like chris just said let's give Mm -hmm. harbor the credit for continuing to work for not you know getting in his feelings about it and kind of just doing what he needed to do to play like he's handled it better than some fans, honestly. If you look at the press conference last week, so but credits where it, credit where it's due, he made some he made some plays last week, mm-hmm. and I think you're probably gonna see them now that he's kind of coming along. I think that's where, as the staff, you're saying, all right, we we have a trust level here to try to do some more things to get him more involved. I think, and it'll be even more important now, given you know, the injury situation. Um, and even if Xavier Leggett and Marion Brown come back whenever they can, uh, you know, you'll probably still see more snaps for Nicholas Harbor because of his progression. I went back and looked, too. So Harbor was ranked as an athlete by on three, but he's a receiver, right? And so to, to kind of put it into context, I went back and looked at the top five receiver prospects in the country from the 2023 class, his same class. Zachariah Branch from Southern Cal was the number one. Oh, he good. He's yep. pretty good. He's got 16 catches oh. and two touchdowns. So he doesn't have 50 catches. Yeah. He's been banged up a little. Almost ran a pump back on Saturday. He has two, yeah, he did. And he's got two scores as a returner, right? Other than that, Jurion Dickey, Oregon, former five-star, number two receiver in the country, 11 snaps this year, no catches. Texas product, John Tay Cook, four catches, just 61 snaps. Hakeem Williams at FSU, 80 snaps, four catches, one touchdown. That's Nick Carber's exact stat line. Brandon Ennis at Ohio State, he just has one catch, a 58-yard touchdown, and 35 snaps. Compare that to Nick Carber, who was not even a trained receiver coming in. He's played now 155 snaps, four catches, and a touchdown. So it's important. Keep it in perspective. Yes, I know those other programs are playing better right now. You know, they've, they've got really good receivers on those teams, but other places these guys generally are not going in and just catching 50 balls and 10 touchdowns in their freshman season yeah and like you said in the press conference last week the game's starting to slow down for him a little bit he's obviously still 
coming along, learning the receiver position. So if Xavier Leggett's not able to go this weekend, if Marion Brown's still banged up, is he is he going to be able to go out there and catch 10 balls for 100 yards, two touchdowns? Probably not. That'd be great if he could. But it's kind of one of those things like how much of a more expanded role can he take on in these coming weeks? Yeah, I think uh, probably will get his first career start. Mm-hmm. We'll see if A.B. can go. But I, I think based on what we saw this past week, you're looking at if A.B. can go, it's Harbor on the outside, it's Omega Blake on the outside, and a Marion Brown on the inside is kind of your slot. That's probably your three starters right there if Leggett can't go. So Harbor, again, he checked in snap number two this week. Some of that was based on the fact they were in, I think, a two-tight end set. But the the fact is it, his snaps are going to go up. And, uh, you know, I think he's a guy who probably he's already been working hard, but a lot of guys respond to knowing, hey, my, my role is increasing even more now. Right. We'll uh, take a quick peek at the defense coming up as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on Reaction Monday here on The Game. It's Reaction Monday. Sponsored by Carolina Honda Powerhouse. CarolinaHonda.com. Your home of the Gamecocks in the Midlands. 107.5 The Game. Also heard on the Grand Strand at 100.3 The Game. And in the PD at 100.5 The Game in Florence. As a team, we just locked in more. Obviously, uh, if we can get some turnovers, we need to do that too. As a defense, I, I'm not going to speak on offense. Those are my boys. Um, They're going to do what they got to do, you know. So as a defense, I'm going to speak for the defense. We got to get some turnovers and help them. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris Long with you for a few more minutes on this Reaction Monday. Does D.B. Williams after the game talking about the defensive performance and emphasizing that they need to generate some turnovers, something they've not been able to do in these past couple games, and obviously that's something that uh, – could go a long way in just coming up with a couple of stops they've not been able to get, uh, especially in these last couple games. And we've talked so much about this defense, especially the nickel corner spot and the roulette wheel spun once again, and it landed on Jalen Kilgore this past weekend. And all things considered, I mean, not a terrible day. Gave up the one touchdown to Luther Burden in that double coverage. But outside of that, he did okay, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got double coverage there. Yeah. And, it, you know, you, you got a safety over the top. That's kind of a... That's t- very tough to put on your nickel back there. Like, it's very tough to put the blame on him. Like, he's there sure. step for step, balls in the air. You got safety covers over the top. Some of it is, hey, your safety's got to help you out. Some of it is, hey, Luther Burden is a heck of a player. <laughs> um, I-, I do I do have a little bit of a take here, though, y'all, about this in- this conversation okay. about the nickel back. Like, we've talked more about the nickel back this year than I ever thought we would. Well, what? He's the fourth one to play it, right? Yeah, he is, which yeah. means, I mean, yeah, he is. Five. Well, yeah, fourth starter. Yeah. Um, But probably, I know Spalding's been in there at safety some. If he's t- he's taken a snap or two sh- at nickel. Sure, yes. He yeah, has. no, he has. He has. You can see. And yeah. then uh, Kwan Banks, too. Yeah. So, okay. So you've really had, you've had four starters. Yeah. <laughs> And then you've had other guys, I guess it's probably six, just kind of in there a little bit. But there's been this take online about this nickelback spot. And I've seen people say, why are you playing three safeties, basically? Mm-hmm. And and when they're saying that, they don't mean literal safeties. They're saying, why are you pay- playing three guys with safety by their name on their bio on the defense at, at one time? 
And yes, nickel play has been a question or they wouldn't have changed it that many times. So let's just get that out of the way. Also, let's get it out of the way that I'm a firm believer that they need a package where you have a more cover-oriented guy that you can go to on third and long and end-of-half and end-of-game situations. Let me get that out of the way as well. (laughs) But let me also say it is not weird or strange or different in any way whatsoever to have three safeties on the field. Anybody who's paid attention to South Carolina's defense going back to the Ellis Johnson days can tell you that they've had a guy like that playing nickel off and on for two decades now. Go back to Antonio Allen. Go back to, at times, Devontae Holloman. Go back to Darian Stewart. Um, go back to... So, so during the Muschamp era, you did have a... It was more of kind of a cover guy there for the most part. You know, J.C. Horn played nickel his freshman year. Mm-hmm. But even last year, yes, everybody knows they slid Kim Smith back over to nickel for two games. But nobody was complaining about that when DQ Smith was playing nickel for the majority of last season. So th- this is not so, – I mean, go back to Rashad Faison way back in the oh, Charlie Strong back era yeah like there's a lot put on that nickelback spot and so yes if you have a little bit bigger guy there teams may use their slots to pick on you but the second you just say hey put a small guy out there we've talked all three years about the issues and stopping the run so you're probably going to provide yourself more issues there stopping the run because that guy has to be a sam linebacker as well so if you are going to major in a four-two-five, which South Carolina actually has for the better part of the last twenty years, three-three-five and then four-two-five, then your nickel has to be able to do a lot of different things. Now some of this is teams being copycats and seeing, hey, South Carolina is getting attacked there. We're going to just attack them there until they show they can stop it. Well, and obviously it's a it's a tall task for somebody like Kilgore, Kilgore to take on, but obviously it says a lot about the faith that they have in him and his abilities. They're asking a true freshman like him to play that spot, which again has kind of been a thorn in their side this entire season. Yeah, and it, this is another one where you know it's it's been a combination of several different factors. You know, we, we knew from a like we talked about this going into the season. No, I did not anticipate. I agree with you, Wes, talking about nickel as much as we have. But we talked about it some going in, and because and we knew South Carolina's losing Cam Smith and Darius Rush. So the natural question is, what are you going to do with it? And there have been struggles there. But it, it's still not just one particular thing. Like, what if South Carolina had some pass rush juice this year? Would, have there, would there have been a many, as many plays given up at nickel? My guess is no, you know? I don't even think you have to guess. I think... It's definitely no. We can strongly, yes, a strong conjecture of no. Yes. And, you know, and one or, one or two of those plays going another way. I mean, that the Luther Burden catch, that's just a Luther Burden catch. He's a great player. Not good, great. He's a great player. So that happens sometimes. 
even on great DBs. You can't take that as like a piece. You, you piece all these things together, and the evidence says that there have been a lot of struggles. But, yeah, I, I think I tend to think, Wes, more than just you're playing this particular body type. I think it's just been a lot of other things that have been a bigger issue. Absolutely. And we'll have plenty more to react to tomorrow, and obviously we'll get you set for Texas A&M as the week goes along as the Gamecocks get set for their second consecutive row game going out to College Station on Saturday for a noon kick out there with the Aggies. Again, coming up today from 1 until 4, we're going to be running CBS Sports Radio as we all go and attend the Celebration of Life event for Tommy Moody going on at Founders Park. It is free to attend for the public, so if you want to come by and uh, join us, you are certainly more than welcome. And then Terry will come in this afternoon from 4 until 6 with an abbreviated version of the afternoon show wrapping up uh, today's uh, reaction Monday. And again, we'll get you set for uh, Gamecocks and A&M coming up later in the week. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show coming up next. Myself and Terry Ford here on the game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text hope ny in new york